losing mine. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I am joined by my equity mate, Ren. How's it going? I'm good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode. Yes. Uh, we're doing a special episode for Finance Podcast Week. Yes. So, hopefully, everyone is enjoying the week. Yeah, hopefully. Well, the weekend. The weekend. Um. And in this episode, where we're going to be talking about uh, what some of the biggest investors in the world are buying. Who's buying what? What's uh, Buffett buying? What's Ackman buying? What's Soros buying? You name it. What are the equity mates boys buying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, we've recently <laughs> filed our 13F. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Ren. We're going to be doing an introduction to 13Fs in case um, you haven't heard of them before. They're a pretty interesting uh, I guess, filing or, or report to get across as a beginner to really understand what some of the, the big investors over in America are buying yeah. and selling. Yeah. So, uh, in this episode, we're going to start by introducing what 13Fs are and then we will uh, be looking at some of the biggest fund managers in the world and uh, looking at the specific stocks that they're buying and selling. So, yeah. let's start with uh, what 13Fs are. Do you want to Break it down. Sure. So, thirteen uh, Fs are a a quarterly report um, that must be filed over in the United States. Uh, it's it's regulation by the SEC. Um, it's reported by fund managers who manage over a hundred billion dollars in assets. Hundred million. Sorry, hundred million yeah. in assets. Equity mates, not quite at that hundred billion <laughs> yeah. level yet. Yet, a <laughs> hundred million in assets. Um, and really, all it does is discloses their equity holdings and and for us it, it gives some insight into into what they're buying and and selling um I, I guess the caveat is that it discloses their publicly listed holdings yeah, and holdings, um, yeah. those in the US so it's not a, a full uh, under the hood look at what is going on in their um, portfolios in entirety but uh, nonetheless it is um, Every three months, you we we can get access to what they've been buying and selling. Yeah, so I mean, the benefits of using thirteen Fs as a data point are, are pretty self-explanatory. You um you can create a watch list or a you know a list of stocks to research based on what some of the best investors in the world with the biggest analyst teams and the best information flow are holding, um, which is always a good place to start. Um, so it's a pretty unique data point in that way. Um, you mentioned one of the drawbacks, which is it's not a complete list. Uh, it doesn't, you know, Berkshire, uh, for example, Warren Buffett's holding company, um, doesn't list all its private investments there. Um, so that that's one um, call out. The other call out that I think is worth um, mentioning is that 13Fs have to be filed 45 days after the quarter close. So, you know, uh, a quarter is about 90 days um, and then you got 45 days after the quarter closes to um, report. So, you're talking 135 days potentially between when uh, something was bought or sold and then when it had to be reported. So, there is a bit of a delay in terms of the time. So, you know, that that's something to keep in mind. You know, if, if um, you know, if someone has, if an investor has bought something at the start of the quarter, um, they may have got in at a very different price to where yeah. the share is at now. Absolutely. 
And uh, <laughs> what I also find interesting, if we're talking about cautions when it comes to uh, 13Fs, is that the SEC themselves have acknowledged that 13F F filings are not necessarily reliable because no one at the SEC actually analyzes the content for accuracy <laughs> and completeness. Which so is an astounding uh, admission by I know, the SEC. I know. So whilst it's it's uh, a regulation to file these, and I guess it's on the uh, asset manager to be as, I guess, truthful, honest, and, and, and transparent as possible. But uh, there are obviously stories such as uh, Bernie Madoff, who had been filing 13F after 13F and managed to pull off the world's biggest financial Ponzi scheme. (laughs) (laughs) So, look, yes, they're great data points and they do give us an insight into what the big fund managers are buying and selling, but please do take it with a grain of salt, I guess, because at the end of the day, they're not... uh, they're not checked for accuracy and completeness. And to Ren's point, it doesn't give you actually any of the the thesis from the fund manager as to why they were buying and selling. We just get to see the quantitative result. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah keep, keep that in mind. So, uh, that's what they are and why we use them as a data point. And then uh, just a couple of the key call-outs around it. I think the next question is where can you find this information? And so, the first place you can find it is the... The SEC has a website. Um, it's like their Edgar database, I think it's called. Um, and so you can go there and you can um, search for different funds and you can um, read the actual filings there. That isn't our preferred method. Um, there are a number of websites that sort of aggregate this and then present the data in probably more digestible ways. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a bunch. 13F Holdings, Whale Wisdom, there's a bunch. Um our, my favorite, um, I'm going to put words in your mouth and say your favorite, but yeah. feel free to correct me. Um, uh, Ticker, uh, spelled T-I-K-R, um, they, uh, amongst a whole bunch of other um, data points that they present, um, they c- aggregate all the 13F filings and then uh, do a bunch of analysis on them as well to analyze like change from previous quarter and you know percentage of... Um, the fund that is in each of these stocks, um, the how much of each of these companies the funds hold, um, and so I, that, that's where I go, and that's where we're going to be. That's what we're going to be talking from in this episode. Um, Ticker is still in beta, um, so you can either join the wait list or you can go to ticker.com slash equitymates, T-I-K-R.com slash equitymates, and you can skip the wait list and sign up for free. Um, so yeah, that's that's my preferred uh, place uh, to to look for this. Um, let's get into it. Yeah, I've picked five fund managers that I found particularly interesting for different reasons. Some just because they're big names, some because of what they hold. Um, so I've chosen Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway, Bill Ackman from Pershing Square Capital, uh, Joel Greenblatt from Gotham Asset Management. Uh, Manish Pabrai from Pabrai Investment Funds and Daniel Loeb from Third Point LLC. So, so five massive investors, um, some of the biggest and most recognisable names in the world. And as you know, everyday investors, as retail investors, we can uh, peek under the hood and see what they're holding. Yeah. So, of those five, uh, where, where do you want to start? 
Oh, I mean, we'll go uh, oldest to youngest. So hit us up with Warren, <laughs> Warren Buffett. <laughs> this is interesting because are you going to be able to get the rest of their ages? I think ages so. Right? I'll have a crack at it. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to have a crack now? No, no, let's let's do it. Let's do it. So Warren Buffett, yeah. What do you got? Yeah, so uh, Buffett, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, and as we said, this is um, only his publicly listed U.S. holdings. Um, but biggest, uh, do you want to have a guess? Well, I, I mean, it's Apple. It's Apple, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> by a long, long way. Yeah. So um, Apple, he owns. Well, it's forty-two percent of their publicly listed U.S. Yeah, um, it's pretty phenomenal. Are in Apple. And obviously, Apple has grown since they first bought in, what, 2016. Um, but that's a big percentage. It um, is. Concentration risk, I would say. Yeah. Well, they've got a lot of like unlisted uh, companies that offer some diversification as well. True. Um, but yeah, Apple is 42% of the Berkshire publicly listed US holdings. Berkshire actually own a little bit over 5% of Apple. Uh, what I found really interesting, though, was... They trimmed their position in the last quarter. Well, I mean, their position has ballooned considerably since he started buying in, what, 2016. Um, And I think what we will likely find among all of these fund managers as we go through is that, uh, you know, in the last quarter or so, they've probably doing been doing more trimming than buying, I would guess, given given the environment that we're in at the moment. There's uh, nothing really wrong with taking a bit of profit from the table uh and maybe old warren <laughs> just didn't want his portfolio to be made up 50 percent of apple so yeah yeah the other thing i find really interesting looking at berkshire hathaway's 13f is that um the companies that they own are incredibly well-known companies and we know this is sort of uh the mo for berkshire they're, they're not investing in you know micro cap speckies and stuff like that but the the biggest five holdings they have apple Bank of America, Coca-Cola, American Express, Kraft Heinz. All incredibly well-known companies, all in most investors' circle of competence. Like, they're companies that aren't complicated to analyze. Um, And the other thing with Berkshire, which again is not surprising, all incredibly long-term holdings. I mean, well, Apple 2016, but... You know, Coca-Cola, American Express, they've been they've owned for decades. Decades, decades. I mean, he needs to get over the Coca-Cola story. Really. <laughs> no, no, Coca-Cola. <laughs> That's all he talks about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of the biggest buys that Berkshire did in the last uh, quarter, uh, Verizon, um, they massively increased their position, and also Chevron. Um, so, uh, some interesting companies there. Yeah. Any uh, any other thoughts on Berkshire? No, pretty stock standard. I mean, his portfolio pun intended. <laughs> yes, his uh, portfolio is so large that you know it's it's unlikely that we're going to see huge changes in positions. So um, yeah, no surprises. All right. So you said you were going to go oldest to youngest. So I'm going to hold you to that. Yeah, sure. Uh, you've you got re- you've got Greenblatt, Ackman, Loeb, and Pabri. I'm low. I'm tossing up between Loeb and uh, Greenblatt, and I'm going to go. Oh, I'm going to go Greenblatt. I'm pretty sure you're wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Manish Pabrai. Um, well, Greenblatt's 63. Oh, uh, you know what? And that, Pabrai's 56. Uh, you've so done your research. Your okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I don't know how. I, I didn't know that. I've just got them up here. But now you've killed the game because you've, yeah. made, me, you've made me test it. So. All right. Well, let's go. Um, did you say Greenblatt was 63? Yeah. 
All right, so let's talk about uh, Gotham Asset Management. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this 13F, uh, and this is this is probably a key learning that you need to understand the strategy that the fund is running. Uh, let me just tell you their top five holdings. Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Alphabet, Facebook. So yeah. just all the big tech stocks. Yeah, I mean... Have we pulled up? Um, have we pulled off up Soros because it, it's similar to him? Where I think his top three holdings were two ETFs and a, and a no, gold that ETF. That was um, that was uh, <laughs> Dalio's um, Bridgewater Associates. Dalio, yeah. 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 Look, uh, look. There's nothing wrong with owning those companies, but I think it just highlights that, um, that you know you don't need to be finding these small hidden gems. As uh, you know, these big fund managers are are invested in companies that everyone knows about and obviously doing well and they probably picked up these companies earlier in well hold on i'm going to stop you there because there there is actually a reason for that so if i if i list them again apple amazon microsoft alphabet facebook that was in order of market cap at the end of last year i think microsoft may now be bigger than amazon but uh do your own research on that um Gotham and Greenblatt. Uh, have you read the little book that beats the market? I have, book? yeah. Cracking book if um if you haven't read it. Um, he runs a, like an index plus strategy where oh, okay. uh, he basically buys the index and then adds his own two cents on top of that. And so um, their thirteen F uh, looks a lot like the S and P five hundred. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's that's why I, I started this one with um you got to look at the strategy they're running. Um, because they are doing an index uh, plus strategy. So one other thing that I found interesting was that um, they actually trimmed their positions in all their biggest holdings. Um, in their sort of top, uh, at least the top 15, um, the only company that they bought more of was Pfizer in the last quarter. Yeah, there you go. But again, not surprising, yeah. I don't think, yeah. Okay, right, so let's uh, spin the wheel again. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, the only one I'm not sure on is Loeb. I'm pretty, um, uh, he's pretty young because he he really made his bones in 2008, didn't he? So then I'm going to go Ackman. Okay, Ackman, uh, Pershing Square Capital. Ah, uh, damn! It's it's Pabri. He's 56. Okay, let's let's um, <laughs> move it across. Um, Pabri, a couple of things uh, really stood out for me here. Um, Incredibly concentrated portfolio, at least in US holdings. Um, he's an American Indian businessman, so I'm sure there's um, some non-US stocks in there. But uh, seven uh, seven US holdings. Yeah, none that I've heard of. Actually, sorry. No, this is actually something that Ticker does quite well. So they pull the 13F filings, but they also pull data from other information. So... There's actually only two uh, companies that they've pulled from the 13F and then Ticker have uh, pulled other companies from shareholder reports, from a Japanese filing and from a trade report. So I guess this is this is the beauty of Ticker and we should plug our link again here, ticker.com slash equitymates, is that they pull it uh, in from multiple data sources. But one thing that I found particularly interesting was that uh, Micron Technology is 30% of their fund. Um, it's a NASDAQ listed company that... Uh, makes like um, you know, flash memory, uh, other types of memory, USB flash drives. Don't imagine USB flash drives are a big part no. of their business today. Um, but yeah, thirty percent of their fund. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, nice. 
Go Pabri. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I've, I'd never heard of any of these companies in here, so I couldn't. I'm not going to be able to really pass too much comment. But it also looks like he hasn't trimmed any positions, unlike the others. So um, he's obviously feeling a bit more bullish on his positions over the the next little while. Uh, so let's uh, let's go Ackman. Yeah. So Perishing Square Holdings, Ackman. Uh, you know, he had a good COVID, uh, controversial COVID period where he took a massive short position in the US market and then did the media rounds talking about how, you know, the world was going to end and everything was terrible in markets, uh, which definitely would have affected sentiment. And then he Made sold, I think it was like a two or two and a half billion dollar um Profit on that trade, so you know, full credit. Use yeah. your use your influence. Just like um, Elon uses his uh, forty million Twitter followers to influence the price of Bitcoin. <laughs> to pump Dogecoin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Ackman also runs an incredibly concentrated portfolio. Yeah. But the interesting thing here is that much like um, Berkshire and much like Buffett, none of these companies are incredibly complicated. Like no. Uh, if we're talking about circle of competence and the ability to analyze companies, here's some of his biggest holdings. So, top of top of Ackman's portfolio um, is Lowe's, the uh, U.S. hardware home improvement retailer. Uh, Chipotle, Mexican Grill, second on the list. Uh, Restaurant Brands International, which owns um, like Burger King, um, Popeyes, a couple of those um, fast food uh, retailers, comes in at third. And then fourth on the list is Hilton Hotels. Um, so again, like companies that are pretty well known and um not that not that difficult to analyze like the economics of these businesses yeah no it's um concentrated he's obviously taken some big bets um on a limited number of stocks what's evident though is his portfolio sizing and construction it looks like he's really trying to keep within that band of 10 to 15 percent allocation to all of these stocks so um yeah it's it's just an interesting way to see how He's constructing a portfolio versus someone like uh, Greenblatt at Gotham, who's yeah. just taking a, a much larger again position. Stra- strategies. But yeah, seven of Ackman's uh, the seven seven of his biggest holdings is um, is more than ten percent of his portfolio sizing. So um, uh, that that's that's an interesting, uh, I guess, uh, allocation decision. Um, but he's been trimming as well. So in the 13F filings, um, all but one company, uh, they trim their positions in. So it feels like there's a movement to take a bit of profits um, as, as we got to the end of 2020 and mm. you know we looked at where markets were and uh, potentially valuations of some of these companies. Um, so take from that what you will. All right, let's go to the youngest of the five. Mr. Loeb. Mr. Loeb. Um, so he he has a number of companies, not nearly as concentrated as um, some of these other fund managers that we're talking about today. So his biggest holding, which is about 7% of his portfolio, is uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, PG&E, um, who have been controversial. They, uh, in 2020, they, were, uh, they pled guilty... Um, to uh, some counts of manslaughter in relation to California fires a few years before that. Um, and, you know, Loeb is obviously uh, making the bet that they'll recover 
and that's his biggest holding. But some of the other ones, you know, uh, Disney is his second biggest holding. You're a you're a big fan. Of I'm Disney. a Disney fan. Yeah. Yeah. You um you were number Love one Disney. in Australia to sign up to Disney Plus. <laughs> yes, first first uh, <laughs> first signee. And then just some other well-known companies. Alphabet they added to their position in. Um, Amazon, they have a reasonably sized position in. They they did trim that a little bit. You know, they they own uh, a bunch of sort of Chinese companies, JD.com, Alibaba, and then a bigger, some of the other big tech names, um, Facebook, uh, Adobe, stuff like that, yeah. Salesforce. Um, yeah, uh, for me, these, these 13 Fs are just a, a wealth of information and um, you can really build a interesting watch list on the back of them yeah and i think for the equity mates community we're all about um you know helping people start their investing journey and the encouraging thing about looking at these 13 f's is that you know you don't have to be finding companies that no one's ever heard of you don't need to be going after those small caps that are going to 10 or 100 bag a lot of these big investors are just taking concentrated bets on um, you know, a, a select group of companies that uh, aren't too dissimilar to anything that we might have in our portfolio, but also, um, you know, th- th- they're nothing that needs a huge amount of understanding of complex business models. You look at Ackman, he's got a bunch of retail and fast food chains in there. It's it's not out of the realms of possibility. Yeah, we um we interviewed Nick Griffin, who's the chief investment officer at Munro Partners uh, last year. We actually interviewed him again this year. But um, when we spoke to him last year, he was talking about research that his fund had done, but um, I think has been done an, a, f- a number of times. And it's basically that um, if you take the all of the market returns um, – uh, the it's about four percent of companies listed are responsible for all of the returns. Um, and you know, in in our day and age, we can think about those companies that are driving overall stock market returns. It's the the Facebooks, the Apples, the Amazons, the um, you know the Alphabets, the you know the Netflixes of the world um, that have been our generation's drivers of returns. But it's the same in previous generations. You know, the WalMarts, the Boeing's, you know, the, every every generation has those companies that really drive the stock market forward, and I think you can see that a lot of these investors are just trying to find that companies that sit in that four percent bucket. Um, I'm not going to do Nick Griffin's explanation justice, so you can uh, check out that interview and hear him explain it better than I can. But that, you know, that's that's why you go concentrated if if you back yourself to find those few yeah. gems of every market cycle. Nice, Ren. Well, that brings us uh, to the end of our episode on 13Fs. Um, hoping you all out there, you know, were able to grab something that helps you on your investing journey and, and found a bit of value in that episode. If you haven't heard of 13Fs before, then certainly do take some time to go and check them out. Um, but otherwise, Ren, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. Sounds good. Always uh, fun chatting stocks and we will... Uh, Hopefully, if you are listening to Equity Mates for the very first time, you will come and join us on our journey of investing on the Equity Mates Investing Podcast. Yeah, so, um, or, or if you're just getting started and a lot of this went over your head, uh, fear not. Uh, we have a sister podcast, Get Started Investing, uh, that really breaks down the basics, all the lessons that we've learned from the experts we speak to and from the Equity Mates community. We've condensed into a sister podcast that, that really takes you from 
knowing nothing about investing to having the confidence and information to get started. And whether you are here in Australia or anywhere around the world, those concepts really remain the same. So um, just because we have an Aussie accent, please don't, <laughs> please don't let that turn you off. Uh, but yeah, Ren, good to chat and uh, we'll speak another time. Sounds good. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.